Hello, this is Patrick Widdis and welcome to Poetry Non-Stop. We're nearing the end of this first series and I hope you've been enjoying the poetry and maybe writing some of your own. Last week, Jenny Pagden discussed how mental health issues had inspired her work and we continue this week to look at the relationship between creativity and mental health with Avulians, a Norwich-based writer with many interests and talents. So, I should probably introduce myself first. I'm Avulians and I'm interested in exploring mental health difficulties. What that means for me personally is I'm on the autism spectrum, which with it carries an increased vulnerability to things like anxiety and depression. So I'm currently taking medication to manage that, specifically citalopram. I guess I've always had these sort of issues, and I think autism is part of that, which is, though I only really sort of recently realised these things, and I think part of the way I did is, importantly, through art. Not just my own, but through representations of mental health in media, I sort of came to understand how I felt had there were labels for how I felt and it was something I could put words to right mm. so say on the on the autism spectrum uh, when was that diagnosed that was actually only diagnosed a couple of years ago I think three now so as an adult though it is something that looking back on it it's always the case looking back on stuff like autism you should have been diagnosed much sooner but it's obviously it's it's new in that we're becoming increasingly aware of something that's always been true, which means we're now much better at dealing with it. So I've no doubt that if I was a decade or so younger, I'd already have been diagnosed years ago. I think it's a case that, and obviously that's a good thing, that we are becoming increasingly aware of autism. So um, what challenges have you faced uh, with that from not being diagnosed or, or since being Prim- diagnosed? Primarily, it comes down to, at least for me, because I, 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 and I, and there are people far worse affected by this than I am. Primarily, it comes down to, apart from the vulnerability to anxiety and depression, it's a difficulty understanding people and sort of reading things like social cues, understanding nonverbal communication, and just being able to empathize with them quite well, because I isn't quite the right word because I do think autistic people can empathize given the opportunity it just it's not necessarily as intuitive to think through how other people feel or a big thing interestingly is I just assume people are telling me the truth when they say things Mm -hmm. so I'm not I'm incredibly easy to lie to for example I guess gullible is a word for that yeah it's it's definitely it's hard to say what challenges I face because I've had it obviously it's lifelong so I am still discovering parts of my personality that have been about autism all along, which I find interesting. So how did uh, how did you get into poetry? Honestly, I think I've always done it casually f- through school and also sort of experimenting with things like forum RPing, just because it's nice to have that sort of creative exercise. But I think really the sort of came about at university through things like the UAA Creative Writing Society and their magazine Octarine. I think the thing that really attracts me to it is that there's such a beauty to the expressive potential of language. 
I remember being in secondary school and not particularly liking Jane Eyre, then hearing a, uh, my English teacher at the time read it out and ever so often just stop and explain all of the intricate pieces put together. I'd almost describe what I do not so much like writing as it is engineering in that the challenge is trying to make something really dense and complex and it's not necessarily about the story, it's about the beauty of seeing what is possible with the language <laughs> and that I think creative writing gives me such an opportunity to experiment with different story ideas and different ways of expressing myself which is so important when I'm not naturally exposed to being able to express myself non-verbally. So has this uh, helped you cope better with uh, autism in everyday life? It's hard to say because, honestly, what has helped me cope best with autism, I think, is knowing I have it and giving myself the credit to say this is something that might be difficult. So the advice, uh, for example, if I'm in a room with a lot of people, knowing I have it and knowing I can say, oh, I'd like to not be in this room with so many people. I'm going to step outside and come back in a bit. Does help. Yes, there is something powerful in making art when it comes to things like anxiety and depression in that it can give you a goal and you can almost make something constructive out of a situation that's really not positive. You can actually make something beautiful out of it. That's actually why my subreddit's called Paradolia and the Gilded Scar. It's the idea of sort of... So Paradolia is seeing faces in things which don't have faces. And I see that as a metaphor for autism because you're starting to sort of extrapolate human emotion where you don't mm -hmm. necessarily see it. And then the Gilded Scar because you're trying to take something that is inherently... And while I understand there is a there is an ideal that we shouldn't treat autism as a negative condition. I think there is also a legitimate point that people with autism can be adversely affected by it and have a right to feel like it's a problem for them. So I think it's called Paradolia and the Gilded Scar because it's about sort of trying to piece together something that makes sense and also trying to make that, if not, if not make it positive, make it look nice and make it into something beautiful. Right. Um, have you got something to read us? Uh, sure. I'll start off with a simple one called Nostalgia. Nice and short. Nostalgia. There's a better me, full of energy, that I've abandoned, not intentionally but automatically. Now I'm less bright-eyed, less blind, but I'd leave all I've learnt behind to be a fraction as kind or inclined to look up. Um, so when did you write that? It was actually at one of your creative writing meets. Um, so I wrote this in about, oh, was it like five or ten minutes? Because you gave the theme of oh, childhood. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it's nice just to sort of look at something I did relatively spur of the moment and come back to it and find that I still like what it's saying. And it's nice to see that even in a short time, there's a lot of things I'd say are quite characteristic of my work there, like the weird sentence structure and sort of... That's an interesting thing I learned about recently. Um, in some cases of, is it mania? There's something called clang associations, where if someone's sort of running their thoughts too fast, they'll often jump between words that sound similar without necessarily mm -hmm. having any connection. 
And I think there's not the same thing, but there's something like that in my work where I use a lot of alliteration and assonance because for some reason that's just what sounds natural to me. I can sort of, it's got a very nice rhythm to sort of bound along in the writing process, which allows me to write stuff like this fairly mm-hmm. quickly. And so you could uh, say a bit more about your general writing technique. I'm not sure really what the technique is. I tend to have an idea I want to explore or a concept and then just sort of go from there, try and think through the concept. And admittedly, because of how my brain is wired, it naturally comes out. And I guess this is one of the advantages of autism. I don't need to put any effort or much effort at all into writing stuff that sounds weird and forced to other people. Mm -hmm. So I can very easily write things that are creepy or disturbing because that's just naturally how I think. I see. Um, have you got an example of that? Um, so, if you're interested, they're not quite poems, but I have these short... Um, I don't know what to call them, really. They're like little excerpts of like just a paragraph or two on a particular idea, semi-poetical. I think every crow knows her is quite creepy. Every crow knows her. Not by name, but by her shape and her stride. She's a million widows, accepting the silent proposal and every dying prayer. She discussed the birds, who will happily have the bodies, but would never disturb as she does. My child, my carrion, I've come to carry you off. There's no saying no to her. The only reply is the rumbling that ruptures the earth and spills forth a formless red. The amorphous mass with no clear borders left between bodies. It churns on a violent tide, Dray arms still clutching spears to stab at itself, ever its own enemy. A few faces turned to her, not saying anything. Be still. The fight is yours no longer. Come, kiss me, claim your prize. The mass towers over her, only to be torn apart and regrown ready for another collapse. No, please, my sweet, be still. You won me. I'm here. I'm here for the taking, and it's only you left. The mass slams into her, its weight pressing her down to the ground, countless mouths all wanting hers. Eventually, one set of lips as one. They kiss. The mass feels itself soothed, relaxes with enough force for you to hear thunder. It's ready to go with her for the honeymoon, but it can't move. It's stiff, the sensation of warmth, of pain, of anything is only a memory and then not even that. She crawls out from under the petrified mass, tasting a rage and sense of purpose that would make lesser minds mad. She wipes wrath from her lips with her torn veil. She'll make good use of this juice. Gosh, uh, what inspired that? Um, oh, that was actually an image prompt on Reddit. It was just this woman standing in the middle of some crows. And I, I don't know, I like the idea of sort of weird bits of mythology i've actually got a piece which is creepier than this called the goddess of spring which admittedly it's got some bits in common yeah i think in this case it was the image and i just had the idea of someone sort of wandering around a battlefield but subverting that in that you've got the idea of a widow there who's actually there to take she's not there to rescue them or anything she wants to take their fighting (laughs) spirit and use it for some nefarious purpose I don't know. I like creepy world building stuff like that. I think it's fun and it's interesting. And hmm. Yeah, it's great when a, a picture or something triggers something like hmm. that. So uh, 
seems you use Reddit a lot. Uh, what is it you like about that platform? Essentially, it's just a nice place for me to store Google Docs links to my poems that I can then refer people to. It doesn't require me to make a website, and there are some good communities on Reddit. Um, I would tentatively recommend Destructive Readers, in that they're a place you can go to get feedback on the understanding that there are some people there who are much more interested in being destructive than being con- uh, being sort of helpful in any way. But I think if you want something, chances are you can find it on Reddit. And there's communities like Writing Prompts, where I'll occasionally post some prompt ideas or respond mm-hmm. to some of their contests. That one's quite fun. I think Lit Fiction. I also use Discord. I think there are, it's great to find a Discord group to sort of swap feedback. Yeah, and have you had much response via um, that? I've had a little bit of feedback. I'll admit, where I've posted, my work tends to be very highly polarising. So I found that I tend to prompt a strong reaction. It's interesting, actually. In one of my stories, one of the main pieces of feedback I got was it was deeply, deeply disturbing because it sounded like one of the characters was having a manic episode and that uh-huh. was somehow a criticism when... I'm not necessarily interested in writing good things so much as I'm interested in exploring the potential to to make people feel a certain way. So finding out that my stuff, for example, is deeply disturbing is useful feedback because it means I've accomplished something. So I've actually had some... I've definitely had mixed feedback. And overall, though, I'm, I'm glad I've been there. It's been a great chance to sort of throw out my stuff, get a wide range of feedback. And I think the volume of feedback you get helps because it means that no one piece of negative feedback can tip you over. Yeah, I I definitely would recommend Reddit for poets out there. Do your experiences of living with autism uh, inspire any of your poems at all? I would say, especially in my short stories, but also my poems, when I have characters, they are by default autistic, because that's what I relate to. The trouble is, because autism's quite a lot, it's something I tend to explore more um, in the longer prose pieces. So, for example, Constellation Prize is probably my most sort of in-depth portrayal of autism. I think expressing things how they feel to me can help show how, how other people express things is weird to me because there's a disconnect. I've got this whole short story which is about It's sort of a metaphor for autism where someone goes to a party and the party's slowly being taken over by a hive mind. And that's just sort of a metaphor for being in a situation where everyone seems to be able to communicate in a way you have no understanding of. And it's really creepy. I see. What's it called if people Uh, want to... That is Siphonophoria. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, On my subreddit, I've basically collected everything so far together into... I've called it season one. It's a Google Doc with all of the with most of my content up to this point yeah would you consider publishing anywhere else um so i've been published online a little for example disappointed housewife magazine have one of my short stories called of the artist and i've also been published in the uni newspaper in fact one of my poems recently got published called uh which is one i'm quite Proud of, if you'd like to hear it? Yeah, cool. Synesthetist. Ringing red lips resounding around the room, aniseed accent lingering for me to lick off long after, trembling taste, 
and you smell blindingly bright, while your pheromones take lightest flight on softest feathers, and in a million more ways than I can convey you impress yourself upon me. But I can't say, because the words are wrong, not at all applicable. No one knows what it means for eyes to chime or how a song can spin. I worry when the iceberg looks down and sees only the surface of the sea, what it must think, wondering why it doesn't sink. And all I want to tell you is you're more. So that was, admittedly, I don't have synesthesia, but I did find it an interesting concept to sort of, because I think that comes down to... Is that where you see colours? Synesthesia is a neurological condition where... a non. This is a non-neurologist explanation. Sensory inputs sort of overlap. So when one of your senses are stimulated, you might experience another thing. Yes, hearing sounds for colours works. There are also people who taste words or see letters when they hear sounds. It's it's a really interesting condition, and it's a great example actually of um, a condition which a lot of people don't know they have because. And this is one of the fascinating things again with autism. Because it's your experience, it can be so hard to realise that it's not normal. I see. Or other people yeah. don't have it. I remember... Oh, I, I wish I could remember who it was. Um, an anecdote of a composer with synesthesia who thought you turned the lights down at the start of a concert so people could see the colours better. <laughs> yeah. It's... Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, great uh, selection of poems. Um, Thank you. Uh, I believe you've got an exercise oh, yeah. for us. So, what I was thinking for this exercise, and it's something I tend to do because I'm also a science student, I'm interested in how various scientific concepts can be used as sort of metaphors for what people are going through emotionally. So, as a writing prompt, I'd say, not necessarily a science textbook, but if you can, go and find the nearest non-fiction book you've got, like history, science, whatever it is, open it to a random page and that's now a metaphor for what your character's going through and see what that means using it as a metaphor. I actually managed to get a full short story structured around the four laws of thermodynamics and use those as metaphors for dealing with depressive episodes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, so find a science textbook or if you aren't as cool as me, a non-science textbook, open it to a random page and figure out how that's a metaphor for what your character's going through. Yeah, great. Um, it's a good one, I think, if you have writer's block or to just change your writing a bit. Um, and uh, you mentioned that uh, it's good for uh, writing stories, but uh, it can be for poems as well. So uh, when I tried this, Ooh, I... Don't tell me what it is. I want to guess. I want to guess what the book was. Just read it. Sorry. Um, Okay. You might have an idea what kind of book it was. Anyway, this was the poem I wrote. And it's called Goose. She grips the worn beechwood handle of her mother's kitchen knife. The blade glides through the fat, cutting rows of diamonds, opaque and malleable. She sprinkles salt, pepper and rosemary on the unflinching flesh, consigns it to the oven's warmth till it softens and skin starts to sizzle. Meanwhile, she pounds the chopping board, makes mincemeat of onion, potatoes and cabbage. 
she keeps an eye on the grey-faced clock above the counter, listens for his key in the door. Hmm. I really like it. Uh, I like how you've sort of taken a what I presume is a recipe book and used the fact you just have a series of set instructions as a metaphor for inevitability. Yeah, yeah, it was a recipe book, a book of Hungarian recipes. Oh, nice. I'm living with someone who's half Hungarian. Oh, yeah. Oh, what was the recipe specifically? Uh, sort of roast goose. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I'll ask them about that then. Um, so, yeah, it's a great one to uh, try for poetry or prose. Um, so have a go, see what comes out and um, hopefully uh, share it with us. Okay, um, is there anything else you had to read for us? I actually have a poem in line with that prompt. This one, uh, because I... It's not quite a year now, but it's coming up to it. I've been on antidepressants, so I was interested in seeing if I could write a prose poem using the way antidepressants work as a central metaphor. Which is how I got to a poem called SSR Island. I don't know, for some reason I just took it as a challenge to see if I could turn the mechanism... Uh, because when you get prescribed antidepressants, they actually explain the mechanism. It's really interesting stuff. So, this is SSR Island. It's my island, mine alone, so I'm alone. Singing to myself in the sea, with equally endless, ever-churning fractal blacks above... And below me, and the pattern repeats. Too far out for me to see, but there must be an infinity of islands just as isolated. And the pattern repeats inside my mind, infinitesimally across the synapse gaps between a hundred billion neurons. So I sit and consider. No way I can swim, even assured I'd see shore before I sank. And if I try and scream, but who'd hear me before I broke my throat? I can only compile contemplations of complete isolation, all potential lacking action, surrounded by water so nothing gains traction. My eyes catch on crimson, a barbed kind of bright I can't pull out of my sight, so I'm stuck, staring at a balloon as it bobs up and down over the horizon. I reach out as a reflex, nearly wrenching my arm from its socket, only to end up no closer. But I see it float towards me, effortlessly, with purpose and pride, until it stops still. As if inspecting me in my introspection, unsure of mooring anymore, still agonisingly above and out of my reach. I ask it to come closer, no answer, no reply after the second try either. So I lash out, take a running start, and with every ounce of strength I pounce, it, it pops. Unable to weave out of the way, no sooner am I alone in the air than I found the ground again. Only this time I'm clutching shreds of ripped rubber, already wrinkled and retracting, soon rotted away. Inside is my prize, a little putrefied, preserved enough for me to read the words. I'm unsure how long I'm sat in silence, wrapped up in the writing. I can't make sense of how close a stranger came to me without my knowledge. But whoever wrote this knew me. And intimately. I'm reading and rereading each line, and every time I'm more sure I've been seen right through so thoroughly. That's how I know I've no choice but to lend my voice to a cause I can't quite comprehend, to be a stranger's friend. I'm to tell them, we're alike, whether we like it or not, that they aren't the only lonely one. 
So I sew back together the scraps of crimson skin. I tell this shell my secrets about the hell I dwell on and in and how there's a howling abyss I'd be remiss not to mention. Finally, I feel the tension as the balloon begins to tug up and we both feel at least a little lighter. I watch it and smile as it sways its way away and skyward to brighten someone else's day. I reflect on the thoughts inside. I can't. It's lacking the essential essence of eloquence or eloquence to be anything other than ugly, just like me. I can't let it get loose out there. I need a snare to snap it back and before I lose track, without thinking, I've grabbed a nearby spear and sent it soaring. It pierces the balloon with perfect precision, sending it sinking as all my secrets spill out unsightly, but at least unseen by anyone but me. So I slump, unsupported by the sudden silence after that burst of passion and violence. My words long gone and the warmth I felt from others faded, leaving me cold green with envy and jaded. I should have known I couldn't compare to that flare so obviously there in other people. So instead, despair. And the pattern repeats repeatedly. No reason to expect events else than these. Until a pill appears, Satalapram, appealing as a potential panacea for all my ills, once a day with water, so I swallow, ready to no longer wallow in my miasma. The sea is somehow blacker back here with a rising tide that won't subside. They lied! Someone ripped out the stitching where the sky was scarred so old and faded thunder could be rebled, but so much more red. The storm inside my head restarts and spreads out to my other parts. The nausea is renewed so as to always be vividly, vibrantly new to me. I, I barely move. But the next day, once more, with water, and the pattern repeats, with permutations, so preparation is impossible. I write down the details of the defects detaining me. I don't notice all the balloons I inadvertently inflate, fill, until I see them float free over the sea. I don't know what's different, or why I adapt, but I do. Um, I was thinking... Uh... Hearing that uh, about your medication, mm -hmm. um, what? How do you manage your mental health issues on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, I won't say they'll work for everyone, but I have found taking antidepressants useful. I also think communication is very important, and as a student at UEA, I'm aware that we are facing an issue where people aren't talking and. Now, it's not just on the people who are upset to talk. I'm not, I'm not blaming anyone who doesn't talk for not talking. But it is a real thing that you are... Reaching out to my friends about my mental health has been a universally positive experience for me. Mm. And it's been so important because understanding that I have a problem allows me to do things to try and solve it. And addressing that with other people is so important. I've had... It, it might just be that I'm lucky to have the friends I do, but... I've had really positive responses from people helping me adapt. And I think it's not something that necessarily go... Well, it, it doesn't go away. It would be unfair to pretend it did. But it is something that you have some agency over managing. You can do... You can at least try to do healthy things. You can take your medication. You can talk to people about it. Not that you have to and not that you should feel bad if you don't. But... There are things you can do to help yourself. And I think that's such an important message. And that's something I wanted to get across in this piece. 
because essentially it's about how antidepressants are weird. Like, there's a period where they don't work and then there's a period where they definitely work against you. But eventually you settle down and it's not necessarily you've won anything or you've achieved something. It's just eventually you feel better and that's something I wanted to capture in this piece. That was Avulliance on Poetry Non-Stop. Don't forget to try the writing exercise and let us know how you got on. Please send your poems to poetrynonstop at gmail.com. Share them on social media using hashtag poetrynonstop or post them on the blog at poetrynonstop.com where you can also find out more about Avulliance and read more of his work. If you would like more tips on writing poetry, then please consider purchasing my book, also called Poetry Non-Stop. You can find it on Amazon or there's a link on the website. Join me again for another episode next Thursday. Thanks again for listening and keep writing. Next week on the final podcast of the series, I talk to Alex Russell, whose innovations in poetry include writing poems with predictive text bots, preserving spoken words in jam jars, and writing love poems in the Lonely Heart section of Craigslist. He'll be talking about those and answering that eternal question, how can you make poetry pay? I didn't really think it could go anywhere at first because you have a very narrow view of what poetry is and isn't at the time, uh, which is basically dictated by your GCSE teachers. But I remember going to a gig and seeing this absolutely fantastic poet, Zap Roddis, and he was touring with the bands, uh, opening up with his poetry, and he'd have people crowd surf during them. He was having mosh pits as he was going through his poems, and it was a moment of thinking... Poetry can be whatever you want it to be. Uh, And I kind of leapt on that. I like the idea that poetry can be fun and what you make it, and you can make your own niche for it. So that was what I decided to go for.